ancestral trauma, what it is, and how to heal it with our special guest. Don't go anywhere. Yes, you are here. Bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's Dose of Money Confidence. You are here with me listening to this podcast, and I can't say or state how grateful I am for you. I know you have a lot of podcasts to choose from, but yet you're here with me. So thank you. In today's episode, we're going to talk about ancestral trauma. Now, when you hear that word, you may think that may not be you. And trauma, as you will hear, is different for everyone, which is why it is important to understand it. And I have the perfect guest to help us with this. Let me share with you a little bit about Vanili Makawaka. She is the founder of Wealthy Money, and she helps people heal their ancestral money trauma so they can unlock their inner money guru and thrive. And she is fantastic at that, as you will see in this conversation. Lista? Vamos a conocer Vanilla. Welcome, Vanilla, to this podcast. I am thrilled to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me, Jen. I really appreciate being on this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, and I love it that we are completely across the waters. You are currently in the continent of Africa, and you're getting ready to travel because you love to travel and live in different places. So I'm excited mm. to dig in and learn more about you. And here on the podcast, we always go back in time to whether you were a little girl or a teenager. So I would love to know about your upbringing and the experiences or lessons that you have had around money. Oh, gosh, <laughs> my experiences around money were more like extremely traumatic. <laughs> so growing up, one of the things that I will say, though, and it took me a while once I'd worked through my trauma to see the experiences that I'd learned. Both my parents entrepreneurial and my grandmothers were entrepreneurial as well. And I believe that's where I learned entrepreneurship. I'm just naturally good at operations and systems. I couldn't understand for the longest while why I was so systemic in my business, you know, and why I thought the way I did in terms of operations. And I think as a child, I observed my father run his pharmacy and he was very systemic in that. It was like, this is what I do every morning. This is how I count cash flow in the evenings, all that. So I learned, and also the other thing is I learned from my dad that you keep cash flow, your own salary separate from the business salary. So once I started 
really healing from my money trauma and I'd had my first failure in my first business and then my second failure, my third failure. It was so bizarre how I went back into those fundamental lessons and I then separated the business cash flow and my cash flow started paying myself a salary, developed operations and systems, learned that I needed an assistant. And also both my parents, it's kind of crazy because like my background is being heavily in debt, like $60,000 in debt. My parents don't believe in debt, right? Like they just don't. They try to do everything cash. They try to pay for everything cash. My mom has never had a mortgage in her whole life. She's always owned her own house outright. She had a car loan once and then the car got repossessed. And I think that kind of traumatized her back into buying cars cash. So she'd always bought cars cash and then this really funky car came out like the AMG and she really wanted it. And then when it got repossessed, she was like, oh, never again. So they always paid a lot of fees up front. So I grew up with that. Except when I became an adult, I got introduced to credit cards, right? My dad had credit cards. My mom just never had credit cards, you know, and she was always, she'd run boutique. She had pigs and everything. And she just never had credit cards. And I'd see my dad use credit cards and always say straight up budget. So when I ended up getting credit cards and all that, I was like, yeah, no, these people didn't know what to do with a credit card. I'll show you. <laughs> I used debt for everything because you graduate and everybody's offering you. You're like, I'm a finance graduate. People are like, oh my God, you're going to make lots of money. And the banks just offer you credit cards. I just took them, you know, I never questioned why <laughs> my parents didn't want them. All I knew is that this was free money. And I was going to use it. So I got credit cards and I just got heavily into debt, got student loans, everything, gave up that cash life, right? And just didn't bother about it. And it's funny because when I started healing and I was less angry with my parents, was less wanting to show them up, I came back to some of these lessons of a cash life, not having credit, doing everything as much as possible with cash. So yeah, those are the lessons, but there were also the hard lessons. I saw my mom not being able to say no to family members and friends when they borrowed money. So I saw her like always give money to get love and to get validation. So I used to, so how I took that on was I would take out debt. So a lot of the credit cards that I took on, funny enough, was so that I could give money to other people when they were asking for it and loaning it, right? Because I didn't know any better. So I learned a lot of that. Also, just that money causes a lot of friction within family members, that if I make more money than you and you're my sibling, then you will hate me because like money just causes tension. So I had like panic attacks dealing with money. And also like literally this was one of the things that got me on my money journey was the panic attacks and also just freaked out every time in a relationship when I had to discuss money because the way that I had grown up was that every money conversation, especially in my mom's family, led to a fight, either physical, emotional, verbal abuse, some kind of abuse. So to me, 
that's what I've grown up seeing almost every single week. So money was something that you couldn't discuss, like calmly, you know, it had to come with some sort of violence. Yeah. So those are some of the lessons. This episode of Her Dinero Matters is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. For a long time, I thought McDonald's was all about tempting me with their fries. But October of 2010, things changed. New duty station, husband was deployed, and I was solo parenting my two boys with no family nearby. We found ourselves at the hospital with my oldest son, and as a mom, I had an impossible decision to make, but lucky for me, the Ronald McDonald House stepped in. They opened their doors for me and my toddler, which meant I didn't have to be so far apart from either of them during this hospital stay. That's when I learned McDonald's was more than the fries. They were about supporting communities. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, me encanta. So, because one of the things that your work focuses on is the trauma, that ancestral trauma. For you, you've you've mentioned some things, but of course, I want you to tell me, you've mentioned your mom gave money for love. You've mentioned the friction when it came to money amongst family members and how it turned into violence. So when do you think that ancestral trauma started for you? How, what age was that about? And what aspect was it your mom giving money for love or was it the friction? Was it something else? Could you tell us about that? I say it's from the womb, honestly, right? Because trauma is passed down generationally from one generation to the next. So it's not like I was, born and then the process of my mom giving money for love started at a later date in my life. It's that she was doing this even when she was pregnant with me. My dad always shares these stories with me about how like my mom would go home even before I was born and she would be buying absolutely everyone, my cousins, clothes and just like absolutely everyone. And she didn't, even then she didn't know how to say no. And so by the time I was born, a lot of my cousins actually kind of hated the fact that <laughs> I was around because it meant that my mom couldn't treat them like her kids anymore. And it caused so much friction in my mom's family. It actually kind of caused this big rift because before she was able to do a lot more because she didn't have kids. And then when she had her own kids, it caused so much tension because she started having to say things like, no, this is for my kids. Then she noticed that people were pulling away because this is the first time she set boundaries. And I think also she didn't know how to set boundaries in a way that was like, well, you just keep reiterating your boundaries. So she would say no and then go back and second guess herself and then say yes again. So then people kind of learned that if she says no, just give her the cold shoulder, treat her in a particular manner, and then she would change her behavior. And so there were just many instances where she didn't have anything left over for us because she was so busy giving to everyone else. And not only that, she was so angry all the time about money. So whenever she was talking about money, I remember being two and hiding under the table because she's screaming that everybody wants something from her and she doesn't have anything to give and just like losing it, you know? And 
all these things are like part of my trauma, right? Two-year-old me was learning that this is how you talk about money. And then everybody else in the family getting upset and annoyed, like, oh my God, you're so rude. We're never going to come visit you again. Also, and then two-year-old me also taking this in that, oh, if you behave in this manner and you do set boundaries, people are going to reject you. And these are the people that you love the most. And one of the deepest traumas as human beings is literally experiencing this trauma of rejection, the withdrawal of love. You know, and I mean, we all know when we've been in relationships, how that can be so extremely abusive, how like when people withdraw love, it's a form of punishment, right? And most of us will cost correct, will correct our behavior to be whatever the person wants. So for me, I would say it was from a very young age literally from the womb. I was probably listening to my mom have all these arguments and also get upset about things. But also funny enough, she told me that throughout the nine months, she had allocated, I remember being five and still having this room and cupboard full of diapers and clothes and everything. Because she says throughout the nine months, right, because she's anti-debt, she had accumulated all these, everything to do with baby stuff. So there was a room just packed with baby stuff. So she was already ready. So by the time I was born, she said like she'd never had to actually run to the shop for many things. She even had like formula. She had so many things just ready. And she's a nurse by profession, retired nurse now, but nurse still. So she knew all the things to get. My dad's a pharmacist. So they were like those people, right? They knew exactly what... A good combination. Right? So I feel like I picked up a lot of this during that process, probably heard her talking about all these things in the womb. And yeah, because there's no explanation as to how terrified money used to bring just pure terror to me. And in relationships, if you just mentioned, asked me before, how much did you spend on this? I would blow up on the other person Mm. for no reason. And for years, I thought like there was something seriously wrong with me. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, why can't I be like other people? When someone is asking how much did you spend on something, why do I behave like an insane woman? But that's what I had seen. So that trauma just lived with me. And as children, we learned that this is the way to behave when discussing money or even dealing with money. This is so good. So I I have so many more questions. Now, (laughs) you mentioned that you feel the trauma started at the womb, which makes sense because I know I'm a mom of two boys and I know when I was pregnant, I was very cautious as to what I did, what I listened to, my mood, right? Because I I don't know how it works. I don't know the science or anything behind it, but I did believe that I could impact mm-hmm. not just health-wise, but just from the time that they were growing <laughs> <laughs> before yeah. they came out. Now, I'm curious because I want two things. When did you realize that, because you mentioned that in relationships, your partner would say something about money and it would spark some anger. And so when did you notice and say, I've got to do something? Or when was that 
pivotal moment for you? So I was living in Boston, Massachusetts at the time. I lived there for quite a long time, for about five years. I was in a neighborhood called Haymarket, and I was on my way to Bank of America to withdraw money. As I'm heading towards the ATM to withdraw money, I start having this insane panic attack. The idea of walking into the ATM to take out money, like literally had me in a panic attack for about 30 minutes on the sidewalk. So I just, I didn't know what to do. So at that moment, you know, and you're like, oh, before, this is not a problem. I've got it under control. So what if I have mini panic attacks and can't really breathe whenever I'm paying money over at Trader Joe's or doing something <laughs> like, it's okay. Like I've got this, you know, I just, that day I never withdrew the money. I walked back home. And then I remember just sitting there and just thinking, this is a problem. And it's a problem that is now so out of hand. I can no longer withdraw money, pay for things, handle money, and let alone talk about money. So the talking about money was obvious, right? So I was like, I couldn't talk about money. Do we decide to split bills with friends? Or how do we pay for bills? Do we do equal splits or do we pay for our own meals? I could never have those discussions, but that was okay because I kind of kept it under wraps and I would just follow the group. But now it was no longer okay because now I have to pay bills. I have things to do. And that's when I decided this is it for me. I'm going to go on a journey. That's how it all started for me, honestly. It was do or die. And of course, during this whole process, so as the panic attack started, outsourcing started, I couldn't invoice clients, I couldn't do anything. So it was almost like the panic attacks gave birth to the extreme of everything. But I do believe that by the time we get to a stage of panic attacks, the body, everything within our lives has started to give us signals that things are so out of kilter that by the time I got there, it was at the very extreme. So I also started struggling with depression. I couldn't get out of bed. If I did get out of bed, I couldn't fall asleep again. So for me, it was, how do I save my life? How do I save myself? How do I save my health? At the same time that the panic attack started, I stopped being able to digest food. So I was always living on Pepto-Bismol. It feels like it all happened overnight, you know, but I can see now that there were things that were, there were signs. Like I was always having heartburn. I always said to people, like, it feels like I'm living with a constant lump in my throat, especially when I have to pay rent and it would take days to disappear. So by the time everything happened, I was like at the extreme extreme. So that's why I had to go on this journey. Before we continue, I have a brief message to share. Herdy Neto Matters is supported by First Republic Bank. Now more than ever, First Republic's priority is serving their clients and communities. Their personalized banking solutions go deeper than a transaction. For over 30 years, First Republic has striven to leave a positive impact on the communities they serve. From presenting grants to nonprofits in need to going the extra mile to connect 
individuals experiencing hardship with fair loans. The bank is focused on doing the right thing. No matter what your financial goals are, your dedicated First Republic banker will be there to guide you every step of the way. Visit firstrepublic.com today to learn more. That's firstrepublic.com. Member FDIC equal housing lender. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Now that we've been talking about trauma, something that I didn't ask earlier is how do you define trauma? And the reason that I asked that is like the person listening could be, well, I've experienced this, but other people have had it harder. Mm. So how do you define your experience as being trauma versus maybe not trauma? Because I know I've always had that question. Like, well, my life was there's some challenges, there's an ups and downs, but really, I really had it good, right? In comparison to other people I know, but could that the experiences that I've had, or that person listening that is feeling that same way, could that be defined as trauma? So that's why I want to dig into your definition of trauma. Oh, yeah, this is such a brilliant question. The definition of trauma is usually something that is so overwhelming, an experience that is so overwhelming that we cannot process it, right? So it lives in the body and in the nervous system, and we keep trying to process it. So basically, this makes it very subjective, right? Because what I can process, what I consider an overwhelming experience may not be an overwhelming experience to you, right? And so you can process it. And it's also an experience that leaves us feeling powerless. So if you've been in situations where your voice was constantly silenced and you were left powerless, then that can also be defined as a trauma, And also trauma can be something that wildly changes the personality. So not necessarily behavior, although sometimes I've been known to mistakenly use the two, but that's only because I'm not being present and meticulous with my words. But it's like something that can wildly cause a shift in personality. So like for most of us, we know how when you experience it, we know people that have experienced an event and that event leads to a personality disorder of some sort. That can also be a trauma. So again, these are very subjective things because what leaves you powerless Maybe just another Thursday for me, you know, it's like, so it just depends. I wanted to address that too. And thank you for sharing that because sometimes, and I know from my personal experience and the person listening could feel the exact same way is that we've had this experiences and then we feel that guilt of thinking that it was more traumatic than maybe we feel it was, right? So I think there's that aspect of guilt. I'm like, well, no, I should be able to handle this because really this isn't trauma in our heads. But like you said, what may be traumatic for me may not be traumatic for you and vice versa. So what do you say to that person that has had some experience that is having that guilt of really maybe accepting that maybe it is trauma? 
that they experience. I say honor that, right? Because I always say this to people. My sister and I grew up in the same household. We've experienced most of the times when all this was happening. We had the same experiences. But like some of the things that she experienced that she thinks are deeply traumatic and she will not talk to certain family members. I'm like, dude, come on. That is such a small thing. And then I find out that she's been in therapy for that for years, mm. right? She sees a therapist. She also has a trauma-informed coach and she's also a healer. And in the same way, like some of the things that I've experienced, I don't know, like she may be thinking, wow, that is not as traumatic, right? For me, but like I'm seeing trauma coaches. I, I've gone to therapy for a lot of this stuff. And it's like, yeah, it was, you know, and it did change my behavior. And one of the things that I see is that when you notice that, wow, the reason why I can't move forward in maybe my business or I can't discuss money or something is because it feels unsafe in my body, then you're probably dealing with a trauma because trauma lives in the body. So the first instance where you will understand that something happened that is traumatic and that the body is having a hard time processing it. And so because the nervous system is having a hard time processing it, then the, obviously the psyche is having a hard time processing it is in the body. You'll feel it, right? You'll have some kind of visceral response to something. Don't just let that slide. Really focus on it. Pay attention to what's going on in your throat, what's going on in your chest, what's going on in your belly, what's going on in your legs and your feet whenever you're discussing money or whenever you're in certain conversations. Don't wipe that off, right? Don't just forget about it because really it's all in the body. So and again, I can't tell you what a trauma is. Like I'm telling you guys, my sister and I have had many discussions where I'm like, no, like I just, that, I don't think that was such a big deal, you know? But then like, it is a big enough deal for her to have been in therapy and to be getting help. And for me as well, right? Like what may be a traumatic incident for me may not be for her. So you get to identify what trauma is for you. And I think we are so conditioned to think that other people had it worse and that like trauma must be a big event, but it doesn't have to be. I love that. And thank you for sharing that. One thing that you said is honor it, honor it. Yes. And I, I love that as well. I'm taking a quick second to interrupt your listening to remind you, this show relies on your support to continue to grow. If you get a ton of value, it would mean everything if you can hit the follow button on wherever you listen to, share with a friend, and give us a quick and honest review. Gracias y te mando muchos abrazos. This is your work and you yes. help people heal from this trauma. So can yeah. you tell us a little bit about your process in helping people? Because of course, you've been through this yourself. And would you say you have healed completely or is that healing a work in progress, you know, for the long term? Whew. So I've been on this journey for 10 years and like compiling my own research. I've been writing books. <laughs> I've been 
developing courses around it. I've coached people. I've held space for hundreds and thousands of people. And I'm still a work in progress. I feel like healing is a journey. So every time I think, oh my gosh, I'm so over this, something happens. My mom says something and it just triggers me. Oh, I moved back to South Africa like I did now. Like been back in South Africa the fourth month now, you know, heading into the fourth month. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm so triggered. And I think I intentionally chose the city that I grew up in, in my teens, because I wanted to see what else was there. And boy, has there been a lot. Like I drive past my old high school and I literally shiver and shake. Well, not anymore now, but in April or May this year, like I would be like driving past and I'd be like, (gasps) shaking and shivering, remembering how I was bullied, like all those memories. So all this other stuff that I haven't processed. So my work works with the body and it's predominantly around money, but it's never about the money. So for most people, it's like, how can being bullied at school impact your financial behavior? So we go into these memories, we go into the body because they live in the body. And what I know for a fact, I can tell you, for example, something like being bullied where money wasn't involved is that I learned to invisibilize myself. I learned to stay safe by hiding myself because if they don't see me, they can't bully me, they can't mock me, they can't make fun of me, right? Now I have to do book talks, I have to show up on podcasts, I've shown up on TV, on magazines, talking about my work. When I first started, there was this fear that, well, people are going to mock me. They're going to make fun of me. They're going to criticize me. I'm going to end up as a Twitter meme. Because you know? <laughs> that's what I grew up seeing and experiencing, right? I was bullied through primary school and high school. So this, is, this was my experience. And the deep belief that I formed from this is people don't like me. And because people don't like me, they never want to be part of my tribe. So when I'm inviting people to be part of my courses, to do work with me, my natural instinct and belief that I had to work through wasn't necessarily a money belief. It was people don't like me, they will reject me. So whenever I would show up to share any of my content or any of my work, it was like, of course, they're going to reject me. They don't like you. Who are you after all? You know, you're the girl that gets bullied. So I had to heal from that aspect. I had to heal the bullying in order to heal my money stuff. I had to heal those memories so that I could show up and realize that actually, no, 16-year-old me, it's okay, it's safe, you can relax, you don't have to keep me safe by getting me to hide and run away. I can show up as adult me, adult me has got this. So what I do is work with people to go into the body, right? We also work with bank accounts and like setting up spending manifestos. I don't use the word budget because we do it a little differently. So set up looking at your bank statement so that you can work with your nervous system and the bank statement. So 
as you look at your bank statement every day, you get guided into the body to really feel into the nervous system and also learn how to calm the nervous system just by looking at your bank statement, touching money. You have exercises on what to do to get into the body whenever you're spending money and paying people, invoicing. I also deal a lot with people to help them increase their income, going beyond their money set points so that they can make more money by calming the nervous system so that you we open up to receiving more and making more money. So a lot of my work starts with the body. We do a lot of work with the body. So I have very particular breathwork exercises. I'm an EFT tapping coach as well. So I do a lot of that. And then we do a lot of meditations. And like I said already, we do a lot of the practical stuff because Money isn't just, I know a lot of people say money is all mindset and all that. I'm like, yeah, it's mindset, true. And it's also trauma, true. But if you don't have like the practical aspects of dealing with money, it doesn't make any sense, right? Because like, this is how we know that the work is working is that we start to change our financial behavior. We start to set up investment portfolios. We start to pay back debt. We have debt repayment schedules. We start to have our spending manifestos. We start to look at our bank statements. All that is so important. It's not just the emotional stuff. It all has to happen in tandem. So for me, it's all holistic in how I work. Oh, absolutely. And I can't agree with you more. And I found it interesting that you said that people say money is all about the mindset, which I see it differently and maybe things are evolving, which, hey, I'm glad people are opening up and and realizing that mindset isn't a really an important component. So I found that interesting because the why I'm doing this work that I'm doing is because I feel like at least here in the United States, we're being taught the practical, which is absolutely important. But I think it's like a small component of the whole picture, right? And so I found that fascinating <laughs> that you said, well, people say, uh, so that's interesting okay, maybe that just... uh, maybe across the world or maybe. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, you're right. Like I am so exaggerating, of course. It's like. <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> people in my network who are all like okay, coaches and mindset people and entrepreneurs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Makes sense. Okay. I was like, well, hey, I, <laughs> that is amazing. Now, the last question because I would love to continue talking and talking with you because you are fascinating, is what would be your top tip for someone who is dealing with trauma? What would be that first step that they should take? Let's say they're dealing with trauma and it's with money, something related to money because this is a money podcast. What would be that top tip that you would tell them to help them take that first step in healing? Brilliant question. So first step, Look at your bank account every day. So I'm going to tell you guys what I did that shifted everything for me. I looked at my bank account every day for five minutes a day. And then I would close my laptop because I was doing it online, close my laptop and then set my alarm for five minutes and just focus on my breathing, notice my breath and notice what was going on in my body. And then just like observe it without wanting to change it. So what that does is, A, it's bringing you into your body. You're getting into the body. And 
the body, your nervous system is learning that you are safe in this moment because you're not running away, right? And then the second thing that it does is it's teaching your amygdala not to react emotionally towards money. So the amygdala is a reptilian part of the brain, right? So what it is, I learned, it's not about the money because I was scared when I had lots of money (laughs) and I was blowing it and trying to get rid of it in every way possible. And I was scared when I had no money. So now we're teaching the mind and the nervous system to remain centered and calm whether or not there is no money. Because to be honest, life is like this, right? It's not, it's that you go through moments of expansion, you go through moments of contraction. So it's about embracing both. So when you are in the moments of contraction, you don't lose your center around money. If you decide, this is what I'm going to do, um, this is what I'm doing in my business, or this is what I'm doing to make money, you don't lose your center. You're able to stand firm in that decision and keep going even in the face of hardship, right? It's not saying you're embracing struggle or you're making yourself tough, but that you are not swayed by whatever is happening in your bank account. And I promise you that's when things will start to change because then you're like, you're not like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling so terrible today. I need to go for retail therapy to make myself feel better because you're going into the body and you're actually sitting with all that. And it also helps us to start healing the guilt and the shame that we feel around money, the fear and anxiety, because we, instead of running away from them, we learn how to face them, right? So we don't always have to reach for the nearest form of entertainment, which by the way, often requires us to spend money. So we don't have to go out drinking. We don't have to do all these things to get ourselves out of feeling the feelings that we feel around money. And I promise it will change the way that you start to think around money, the way you start to feel around money, and the way you start to behave with money. Vanilla, that is beautiful. Thank you so much for everything that you shared. That tip is wonderful. It's something that you listening can do today, like take five minutes and do, and that's something you don't have to wait to do unless you're driving. So please don't do that. So thank you, Vanilla. You've been wonderful. I appreciate you and I appreciate the work that you're doing. Keep it up. Thank you. What a powerhouse, right? I hope that as you listen to this conversation with her, that you took a moment to reflect on you and see what it brought up for you. Do you have ancestral trauma? What I thought was interesting, and it just makes sense, is that it's so connected to our money story, right? So that ancestral trauma is connected to the money story. But the difference is how we take in that money story, how it impacts, right? For some, it's going to impact us in a tougher way or in a more stronger way. And for others, they may not really impact us in a really strong way. So it just all depends on you and your ways that you navigate life and stressors and all the things, right? Please, if you enjoy this conversation, connect with Vanilli. I will be linking up her Instagram. It's literally Vanilli Makawaka, but it has a special spelling. So just make sure you go to today's show notes to get that link.
Don't forget that if when you're listening to this podcast, maybe there's a question that comes up for you that you want answered. Just let me know. All questions are good questions. Don't be shy and ask me your questions. And you can do that by going to jenhemphill.com forward slash ask Jen. It's simple. You can just leave me either an audio message or send me an email. You choose. And remember that by asking your question, you are also helping someone that has that same question. So if you're thinking, I'm embarrassed to ask this question, no, 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 no. Like I said, all questions are good questions. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. None of that. Don't feel guilty. Here, this is a judgment-free zone. We welcome all questions, and I want to provide that safe space for you. So ask your questions away. Next week, we will be meeting Harry Lopez, who you will see is a beautiful human being where he shares how being in tune to himself helped to transform his life and his financial life included. Bueno, pues, that is everything. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune into the show. Be sure to check out the show notes at jenhempill.com forward slash 284. Remember that being the reina of your money starts now simply by claiming it. I believe in you and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.